We're back! We're back! This is distraction. I'm through. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good, dude. How are things? Good. We got a little summer loving podcast. It's just you and me. We're fucking about. We can talk about anything. We can talk about sandwiches. We can do anything we want. We can talk about Maine. Yeah, no one can stop us from doing anything. Somehow Maine will come into the... Can I give you a Maine thing? I'll give you a Maine thing right off the bat. Wow, already in the prompter. All right, yeah, yeah. go for it. All right, so when I was up there, uh, most of this trip, the first... We are going to go up there another time this summer. This was just to like help my father-in-law out, move a bunch of items about his home, and help stock the uh, the many booths that he has at the Antique Mall in Mechanic Falls, Maine, uh, that he sells at. And a lot of that is just driving around in a Subaru in Maine, as people in Maine do. There's a lot of like private roads in the area where they are, because it's not like dense. And so if you basically, you can name your driveway, and that's like the address that you have. And, you know, so you'll see people that name their street, you know, it's like Blueberry Lane or whatever. And you're like, oh, that's nice. Or, you know, like Stevens Road. And you're like, that's Stevens House. And we went by one that was, you know, again, any name, people in New England could do it. It was just called Belichick Way. That was the really? street. Yeah. And I went, ugh, in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> my wife and her dad were both like, you all right? And I was like, no, I just... Just saw something I didn't like. <laughs> it's good to know that that person is out there, that there is someone who, uh, whether that's their camp or their permanent residence, is doing things the Belichick way in, uh, you know, Southern Maine. Did you drive by a lot of houses that had, like, beach house names, like uh, the the Great Widow or, you know? It would be cool if we did. The area where uh, my wife grew up is, like, more, it's near a, a Sebago Lake, so it's not, like naming your house in a grandiose way, you know, like the rambles, like that part of Maine is like uh, up the coast and east. No, I don't mean like a state shit, like, you know, like, oh, that Walnut Hill and all that shit. I yep. mean, like, like you get cutesy beach houses that just have like a little sign in front that say like Dolphin Hole, you know, and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see as much of that, but I'm going to, I'll keep an eye out for it in um, when we're up on the coast because I think there are a lot of people that are doing that even if it's like a pretty modest place they'll be like the rose hip garden or whatever and that yeah. is uh that's on them you know I'm allowed to notice I, I don't think anything is gonna get as guttural a sound out of me as Belichick way but I don't think you could name your street anything and have me respond to it worse than that like the idea of being like literally if it was like rich Kotite lives here I might be like no but like other than that I think it's pretty uh pretty tough to top you can't, uh, I live in an area where you really can't, you can't name a house. Like, if I put a sign on my door that said, like, the canyons, people would be like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're, you're, in the sub, you're in the suburbs, dickhead. Just hang this a fucking Santa Claus. Paul Schrader's The Canyons. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, uh, uh, Eric asked in the chat if we'd seen, if we saw Bill Simmons' house up there. Do you know that he has a house up there? No, I don't. I just all assume right. okay. that, like, <laughs> all right, all right. one of the various things that the, in Bloomberg at one point was, like, Bill Simmons, rich guy, has a lot of stuff in places. He's got mad houses. I know he's got houses all over Los Angeles, which is one of those things that is awful, but at the same time, like, I kind of get, like, the idea if you're just like, well, I'm not driving back to the east side tonight. I'll just sleep at the Santa Monica home, which presumably Bill Simmons named, you know, whatever, like... <laughs> it's, on Reggie, it's on Reggie Lewis Way in yeah, Bel Air yeah. or whatever, but Joe, it's on Joe Missoula Place. It's an up and comer, <laughs> but it's got to be good. Uh, yeah, I mean that's what rich people do. Like instead of moving to a nice place, you just buy a place where yeah. you you just have you have you have little um, you have stations. You know, you know, you're like okay, well, I I really like Santa Monica, but I'm not going to move all my shit. From fucking Beverly Hills to Santa Monica, I'll just yeah. get a little. I'll just get a little bachelor pad in Santa. At Monica. rush yeah, hour, that's like an hour and fifteen minutes. No thanks. I'll just buy a whole new house. Well, that's a Los Angeles thing where it's like, yes, it look, is. if I gotta drive, if I gotta drive more than like two miles, you're asking me to go to fucking Seattle. I'm not going right. There. Like, <laughs> like your friend that lives in Chicago, you somehow see more often than the one that lives on the west side. I love that I know about this shit. By association, I haven't lived out there since I was in college. I never properly lived in Los Angeles and have no idea what it would be like beyond the fact that I, I gather that it's very hot a lot of the time now. So I, I don't know. I'm talking out my ass, but I do, I do enjoy it. They've done a really good job documenting all their peccadilloes. Think about it this way, Roth. It's, let's say you had a friend 
and the no, friend was not, like, "It's not convincing." I know, I know, I know. But say the friend said to you, "Hey, are you around? I'm in Greenwich. What are you going to say to them?" You can be like, oh, oh, yeah, I'll get on Metro North and head right over to fucking I'm, I might. Thing. I don't know. Yeah, no, you I've, wouldn't. I've got a lot of patience with Metro North. Uh, but yes, that is, <laughs> it is definitely, there's a part of me that's kind of like, well, I hope, I hope you have fun up there. I'm sure they have like really good salads. Yeah. And I would do the thing where like, eat. I would try to make plans, you know, mm-hmm. like I would go through like the machinations of looking like, oh, yeah, we got to hang out. Let me check my schedule. Oh, you're going to be free from like three to four. Oh, you're not. You're, you're only free from 12. I was going to suggest we meet in Norwalk. It's about equidistant, and we, yeah, that's uh, that's part of getting old, I guess. There's an old Mulaney bit from uh, his show at Radio City, which is great, and he he was like, yeah, we. He was talking about like talking to a friend, and he's like, we can just not see each other for eight years, and it doesn't matter at all. That's where I am in adulthood. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. I don't if I don't see you again until I'm fifty five. It's fine. These years go fast now. They go super fast. You know, it, I don't. I don't need. I'm not urgently in need of seeing really anybody apart from I, like I, a doctor. I think that's <laughs> true. And yet at the same time, like every time I actually see my friends in real life, I'm like, oh right, yeah. Like this is the thing that actually makes you feel normal. Everything else it's so that true. you do doesn't. I remember I hadn't seen I hadn't seen you in. In quite a while, I can't remember. But then I saw you in June, and we had that that uh, a dinner at the oyster, yeah. the oyster Gentle- bar, gentlemen's uh, like bivalve and dairy binge. But I was like, oh wow, I feel fucking great. Like I'm talking yeah. to a friend because I don't ever talk to friends because I'm like, first of all, I don't like talking to anybody on the phone because I fucking hate talking on the phone. Yeah, and like my wife and my children, as much as I love them, you know. They're my friends, but like, you know, when you're like the people who are like, oh, my wife is my best friend. Like, yeah, that's true. But still, yeah, like you just still your hang wife out with her the most. But. Yeah. She's your wife first. All right. She's not, you're not going to be like, you're not going to be sitting next to her, like, like watching a football game and like, check out that cheerleader. Like, that's not going to fucking happen. Like you just, there's a different dynamic to talking to friends that not only is like enjoyable, but you need it as a human being. Which is why we sat around at the Oyster Bar and talked about titties for, for two hours. Yes, great. it was exclusively titties. The servers were like, you got to stop. You got to yep. change the topic. Anything else. You can talk about asses and we won't ask you to leave. But if you keep doing this, and Drew was like, hell no. Yeah, because I, I like, said to the wait staff, I was like, hey, I just ate 18 oysters. I'm ready to go, hey, baby. On, unbelievable. Yeah, that's... Remember, th- where did that come from? The idea that oysters made you sexually potent that was like a real 80s thing that was like what i knew about oysters long before i ever tried one. yeah yeah it was like the backbone of like all 80s stand-up material meanwhile like as if a guy <laughs> needs like extra incentive to be horny like like as if that's like like a problem for men like wow you know today i'm just not feeling all that horny as a, as a man yeah that's also I'm like sure a very not. like 70s 80s vision of like what it was like to take care of yourself or because like no one had they hadn't invented like health yet like as right. a concept right like there was like some people were healthy like you know like bob gibson of the st louis cardinals very physically robust man but for everybody else it was the sort of thing where it was like you wake up and there's like already a lit cigarette in your hands and you're like, well, I need to eat some food that makes my body work because that's what happens. It's not like that. I No habits are changed. Like you still like put Cuddy Sark on Fruit Loops before you go to work. But all the rest of it is like somehow hackable through, uh, yeah, through diet. And then like Jane Fonda puts out workout videos that involve just you putting on leg warmers and people yep. are like, whoa. <laughs> Well, what is this new age bullshit? Just this sitting is- up and like just sitting in a chair and then standing up a few times. Everybody's like, it's revolutionizing America. <laughs> Everybody's living six years longer. <laughs> Donald Trump owns all of those tapes and has never watched them. Not no. even for pleasure. Not even yeah. to gratify him. That's the sort of thing. He has them around. Like this is, uh, of all the, I don't want to talk about Trump too. Like, I've already done the main thing. Like this is like, I'm just running through the fucking hack Dave imagine Roth. Donald Trump Podcast in Gambit. Maine very very big state I don't, think, I don't think you'd care for it very much one day uh, the ocean will reach you you never know <laughs> like I, I want to order the lobster steak I've heard it's very good the uh, <laughs> he this is a, a favorite Trump thing of mine that like when they were for, for a while like when people were still trying to understand him before they realized that he was just like 
a like just a horse's brain in a man's body. Like when people were sort of like, what is the man? What is the man beneath the suit? What does he want? Yeah. And they were well, talking well, his, the, like, the pivot, the pivot discourse. Everybody. Right. They would talk to his like turd real estate friends and they'd be like, he's a normal guy. Like he just goes to the newsstand and buys like a Hershey's bar. And so all of his tastes are like in the, the same way that everything else about him is. It's like frozen in 1988. And I remember reading in one of these stories that he has like just uh, basically like a desk drawer full of Tic Tacs. And I had, I have no problem with Tic Tacs as a product. I don't think they freshen your breath, but they're fun little, uh, I like the little pill case they come in they're, and they, they're candy. they taste good. Yeah, they're candy. But like Donald Trump using Tic Tacs, like basically like hoarding them in case they go, uh, like they get discontinued or like that brand of aspartame is ruled illegal by the FDA. That to me, like really fits with him that he needs like the peak of 1987 breath freshening technology so that he can feel like he's on the on the bleeding edge. It's that and then the weird alcohol spray you blast down your throat. Uh, which is another 70s, 80s. Oh, Banaka! So yeah, you don't see that as much anymore. Fuck yeah, I remember. But I had Banaka. And I was like, oh, this is going to do it. Seventh grade me, <laughs> I'm going to be swimming in it. It's going to be great. My, by, by the way, my mom back in the day had Tic Tacs in her purse. But it was also, it was back when Tic Tacs were not only a breath freshener, but also like a diet food where it, like the advertising, I remember the advertising was just one calorie each. Well, no shit. It's the size right. of a fucking grain of sand. Yeah, it's not like, a food. Like you could eat a thousand of them for lunch and it still wouldn't be lunch. Yeah, like, it's, it's 80s Soylent. It's not food. <laughs> like get the fuck out of here. Like it looks like it looks like medication. It doesn't even look like you're supposed to have it for pleasure. It looks yeah. like it's supposed to fucking reduce your blood pressure. Yeah, it's basically like the grown-up Hollywood version of the candy cigarette. Like, it's like a little kid pretending to be Robert Evans. That's who it's for. Like, the idea that it has any dietary value, positive or negative, is amazing to me. Uh, it is summertime, Roth, and we're doing yeah. a summer fuck-around podcast. That's right. So I have some extremely basic, dumb summer questions for Let's you. Hear it. To pad this podcast with just... Absolute brilliant discourse. Yeah. Roth, you know what the listeners like is when you say to pad this podcast. Yeah, they want to know that we're dragging our asses over the finish line with the minimum allowable amount of content. We're we're recording this episode a week in advance, specifically so that I don't have to record one next week. So it's like I'm padding stuff from the past just yeah. to just so that my future will be more relaxed and I have to put an even less effort into my life than I did before. Roth, what is your favorite summertime food? Or do you not designate foods as seasonal? I definitely think of uh, foods as, I mean, like in terms of things to make or things to buy. No, things to eat. Things to okay, eat. Okay, yeah. So this is, I guess. Wow, you got, you got like, it wrong two ways. So that's what? Great. No, I didn't. It's, there's only one calorie in each Tic Tac. Like, like the, for example, I, like my, my wife will not eat ice cream in the winter because she thinks yeah. it's a summer food. And I'm like, chill the fuck out. I'm going to have some fucking ice cream on Christmas. It's all right. Well, there's things I associate with like eating in certain places. Like you can get tomatoes at the store whenever, but this is, we're in the part of the year where I just, we go berserk and just eat like tomatoes as part of a dinner, like three or four times a week. Right. Cause and there's only like three days of, of good tomato season in America. <laughs> Yeah, and that is, like, we're in it right now, and, uh, like, I'm a, a big partisan of your New Jersey tomatoes, um, but they're, like, pretty much anyway, they're great in Maine as well, so yeah, it's that, it's like, there's, like, and I guess also the, all the shit that I, like, eat in Maine, I guess you can get, like, a lobster or a crab roll during the wintertime, but it's something that I want to eat outdoors, like, while mosquitoes bite me, that's kind yeah, of, like, yeah, yeah. an important yeah, part of it. You want to eat it, you want to eat it on a bench, and, like, yep. and, like, the bench is painted, and the paint is fucking red hot to the touch yes that's exact and so and one other one that i will add which is uh something i mean so i'm a i'm a sausage and peppers man just in general and that is to me an, a four season food but there's a special version of it uh that you get at um the mets home park I'm trying to avoid saying the the brand name not no longer shea stadium you, you can say city field i don't it's like fun. it i don't like it uh the uh the but yes that sausage and peppers to me is like I mean, for something that gives you heartburn like instantly, like as soon as you get the first bite, you're like experiencing major reflux symptoms. That is a uh, that's like Proustian summer shit to me. Like I can, 
get one of those take two bites and I'm transported back to a Steve Traxel start in which he takes two hours and 30 minutes to go five and a third innings and allow four earned runs. Oh yeah, that's that's the good shit. Did you ever have a moment? I don't think it's possible because you lived in the tri-state area your whole life, but did you ever have a moment like in your 20s where like going to the San Gennaro Festival was like cool and interesting to you and getting a fucking sausage and pepper sub there was like, wow, this is real Italy. So I, I never went to San Gennaro in like, the, I've been there, you know, but I was never there and being like, oh my God, Zeppeli right on the street. Unbelievable. Like it was, all of that stuff was like pretty readily available around me. And then the festival itself was like, I probably would have been like more excited by it after seeing Godfather 2 than I was as a child. But even then it was not, it never really moved me. That said, Sausage and Peppers has always been a, a big treat for me. And when there are those like, so when you go to the festival, it's like a big, like a truck, not like a van, but like a closed long truck with like a big flat top grill in it. And there's like, there's peppers and onions on it and there's sausages on it and they're turning them and they make them for you. Right. One of those would just park when I worked at tops. So this is like 2004 or 2005, one of them would just park across the street from our office building on like in lower Manhattan, like right near the Staten Island ferry terminal. And so some days I would just go across the street and get like a one and a half pound sausage and peppers hero and bring it back to my sick cubicle and eat oh, it there. Shit. Yeah. Which is very like 20 something decision making where you're like, well, yeah. what would the consequences be for doing this? I can't think of any. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I fucking love the fucking unreasonable working class lunch or yep. like when you like when you're in your 20s like I would go to some fucking deli like next to my office building in Manhattan and get a chicken marsala sub that had so much fucking grease in it it would like go through the paper yeah. and I'd put it on my desk and there'd be like a fucking grease stain on my I didn't know that it shit. was like yeah that it was like weird to do that this is I, I mean some of it I don't see like my upbringing in terms of like my family or the context or whatever. Also, like I'm clearly a dope. And so when I was running cross country, I would go in high school, I would go to like uh, the Italian deli that I liked in town. I would get like a big sandwich, eat it for lunch and then just go to practice like 90 minutes after that and run like six miles. And it wasn't why I was slow. I was slow because I wasn't trying, but it was also the sort of thing where it like it took years like it was until like after the fact where it was sort of like well you know the way that you feel like nauseous at the end of every practice like that's because of all the fresh mozzarella that you like literally just ate like that's <laughs> it's, it's not like a natural response to having to run five miles like your body can do it it's just harder when you shove all those fucking hot peppers in there my brother was a, a big rower uh, prep school and in college and he always tells us stories about shit he would eat before like an erg test that he would regret eating. Like he would, he, were, he told me one time about, Alex was like, okay, so I had this erg test. And if you, for people who don't know what an erg test is, an erg is a rowing machine. And an erg test is you you row on as like as hard as you can, as fast as you can for as long as you can. Like it's it's torture. It's and he told me about one time, it's one time he drank an eggnog milkshake before hopping no, on the erg. No, come on, <laughs> yeah. man. I was like, I was like, that's a bad idea, Alex. And like his, like his crewmates would all like dare each other to eat horrible shit. And then there would just be like barf all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to, there was a part of me like when you said that where I was like, was there like, before it became clear that that was a bad idea, I was like, what's the, what's the play here? Like what's your, strategically, does that help you in any way? And then, you know, once you got to eggnog milkshake, like once that thought fully processed, I was like, no, oh, I can't do that. Uh, my answers are are quite obvious. One is watermelon. You gotta have watermelon in the yep. summer, right? Uh, another one is the DQ Blizzard. I remember one time I went to the Outer Banks of North Carolina with a friend for a bachelor party, and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the oh, let's go to a strip club and all that stuff. It was just like a regular bachelor party. Where you run a beach house and you fuck about. And yeah, I went to a DQ and I had a blizzard, and I was like, you know what, that was pretty good. You know what I'm gonna do. I'm going to get another blizzard. And I had oh, you I had them, double dipped. I had them back to back. And I told my best friend Howard, and he was like, he's like, oh, it's a power move. And I, I don't think I've done it since. But And then the third one is a whole lobster. And I'm going to say, I want to ask you, Roth, first of all, do you, if you had a lobster now, are you willing to eat a whole lobster or do you need the meat picked for you? Are you done picking it a lobster? I think that I prefer having other people do it, if I'm being honest. Like I have okay. even 
I mean, I've eaten whole lobsters. It's like a little close to the nexus for me. I think like I, if I had been like given the option as a child, which I was not, I probably would have been like vegetarian for when I was a kid. I hated eating meat. I didn't like stuff that bled. I didn't like cracking things open, you know? And I'm glad that I'm not because like I like eating all different types of things. But I remember like just being in a lobster, like, a you know, one of those like restaurants that is like called like Blank's Lobster Pound in Maine with my father. Has to be Watching him eat one. Yeah, and it had the lobster. Yes, as we've established in previous episodes, if it's not called a pound, I don't want anything to do with it. That's right. But it was like just breaking the skeleton. It had all the fucking goo in it, the tomale. The tamale, baby. Yeah, like immediately before that lobster died, it had eaten like a a rich, lavish last meal. Mm -hmm. And it was was like gross to me like i was like this is like an autopsy like i don't want anything to do with this the challenge there is that i love the way that lobster tastes so if you put it on like a hot dog bun for me then i'm in but if you make me do the work for it and this is less the case with crab which i don't mind and it's definitely you know not at all the case with oysters which i love opening myself uh something about lobster is like a a bit it's like a bridge too far for me in terms of you know whatever commodity fetishism You must have read the David Foster Wallace essay about it. I did. I mean, I did. And I would say that while it was not like the thing that convinced me necessarily one way or the other, the the scenes of like industrialized mass lobster death in that, I was like, oh, I don't want to participate in that either. Like, thank you prissy novelist man with like I, opinions I don't always agree with. I read that essay. I thought it was fantastic. But let me tell you something. I I want a whole lobster and yeah. I want to do awful things to it. I so fucking... You, I you like the, the bash oh, and smash? Yeah, yeah. Like, for a while, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just have it in a lobster roll. My mom doesn't like getting boiled ones anymore because it's a pain in the ass to clean up and it stinks in the garbage and all that stuff. But this year... I'm going with my parents, we're going to a beach house. And if I see like a steamed lobster that I can get, even if no one else has ordered it, I'm fucking getting it. I'm yeah. fucking I'm I'm ripping it out of the shell. I'm digging through the tamale. I'm looking for every little bit I can find. I'm snapping off the little legs, like the little insect legs. <laughs> They're just like little crispy and like, crunchies. Yeah. And yeah, and like and like and running it between like clenched teeth, like a straw, so I can get that meat out. <laughs> you know, like a piece of artichoke. Nice. And like Good and for you. when people watch me eat a lobster, particularly my loved ones, they are fucking revolted. They are like, yep. oh my God. And like, I'm drenched in like drawn butter. I have a bib. The bib does nothing, protects nothing. <laughs> and like, I'm sweating. Like, That's I'm a dad power out. move though. I think that that is how, I mean, it's it definitely a way that I will think of my father. Like, I think that that's like what you kind of want from a dad figure is at some point, like you just remember them blasted with old bay like the fucking god of light guy in twin peaks the return like i want them totally covered blackened with seasoning being like don't look at me as they eat some giant crustacean yeah i want like and i want fries on the side like just to make it and like i dip it into the drawn butter which is just absolutely disgusting but all of it's great and like and like my old man now has adopted the contrarian take and you'll see this once in a while where it's like where he's like, well, I, I prefer crab to lobster. And you'll get people who are like, actually, lobster's not that good. Like like the people who think they discovered the turkey's bad take everything. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not on board with it. Give me the, you've just eaten bad lobster. You haven't eaten the real deal, motherfucker. And yeah. Got- I also feel like it's, I eat lobster f- like fully maybe two times a year. Like, yeah, and, in the summer. Because right. perfect like, summer and time. The fact that and I wouldn't like go out of my way to order it on, I guess it's like still on menus. That's another like 70s, 80s thing. Like a fancy restaurant would just have like le steak, le lobster, you know, like, and then just like the most like down the middle preparation imaginable of it. Every place you go now is just like a protein and then like three seemingly disconnected other ingredients under it. And you have to like see how they put it together. Yeah, yeah, like the sort of the the upscale craft Chipotle sort of menu where it's like, right. oh, you know what? We didn't think of a dish. You figure out the fucking dish for yourself. Yeah, they're like, if you want to find out what the dish is, you can order it. All we're going to tell you is Bream in capital letters and then underneath it, Marcona almonds, mustard greens, and then like Subis. And you got to yeah. figure that shit out. I, uh, no, if I, if I go to a steakhouse now, I haven't been to a steakhouse in a while, but you go to a steakhouse and there's going to be a lobster 
market price on the menu, and the market price will be eighty five dollars. I was going to say, like the whatever the market will bear in the most literal possible sense. Yes, of course, but like it's a great menu item, and like it's always going to be on any power lunch menu because yeah. there's always going to be some asshole with with a cigar who's like, oh, five pound lobster. I was going to ask what it's like eating a lobster because I've never done it. I grew up kosher as a kid, and so I never had the experience. Like, my parents would not have bought it for me. But, Drew, you just explained it so viscerally. I'm like, okay, I get it. I don't think I have to yeah. do that. Could, like, could a lobster be kosher? Can you have a, no. a rabbi bless it a is lobster? No. by definition, not kosher. There's, like, a couple of things in the rules that are basically, like, do not eat. And, like, the bottom-dwelling booger fish yeah. with shells are like, that's the the trifecta. That is a immaculate grid of cannot eat under kosher. Eric, do you still eat kosher? I do not, no. I stopped doing it when I lived, in, when I went to college when I was 18. But still, like, non-kosher things are still weird for me. Like, the first time I had pork, I'm like, what? I still feel yeah, weird about solid. pepperoni. I still I feel very weird about seafood. Even like eating shrimp. It's the thing I think that Roth you were describing about it being a thing. And then I like and then I'm like, oh, you can buy a kajillion of them from Trader Joe's. And I just like, yep. I'll just boil them. And then I did it badly and now I don't want to eat it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's yeah, the whole sh- animal. It's not part of the animal. Right. Steak is just a little part of a cow. There's not a little miniature cow on your plate. Exactly. And you're like, oh my god, yeah. it has eyes, and oh, it, it it was probably named Jim or something like like. There's yep. none of that. Show. Shrimp. I would love to say that this was a moment that that broke me of the eating shrimp experience. I just, I, um, they're not my favorite. I do still eat them. I was kayaking with my family around Hilton Head, South Carolina, when we used to go on our vacations there, and a shrimp jumped out of the water and landed in my lap, and I had Ooh. a brief moment of. Like I would say, I guess eye contact. I mean, its eyes were on stalks and definitely did not comprehend me. And then I just kind of bumped it back out of the boat, like with you didn't my eat hips, it, and it flopped back. It it was alive. I didn't, yeah, like, that's when it's best. It's when oh, so fresh. It was yeah. so fresh. It was, and you know what really helps is when it's scared and it doesn't understand what's happening to it. That really adds to the. Flavor. They don't know what fear is. You tear its but head it, off, doesn't even. Fuck but it wasn't one of those things where it's like sometimes you'll look at like like pigs are cool. They're like sweet creatures, and it's I, unfortunate that I like the way they taste so much. Shrimp. It wasn't the sort of thing where I was like I looked at it and I was like this this could be my friend, but for the fact that I'm in the kayak and he is in the Calabogie Sound, like that was wrong. It was like it was just a little booger that was swimming around. It's a bug. Well, let's take a break and talk about more summer lovin'. Uh, but first, I just want to tell you that this week's episode is brought to you by Detroit Lou's Subs, made from the best ingredients by the best guy. Try all of Lou's favorites, including the Iceberg Teriyaki, the Smoky Tuna Caesar, and our bestseller, the Roast Beef and Fruit Roll-Up. So run to the Lou and get some grub. We'll be right back. <laughs> Smoky Tuna Caesar. Hate it. Hey, it's true. This episode is sponsored by Caldera Lab. I want to remind you that first impressions matter. No two ways around it. If you aren't already, it's time to put your best face forward by adding in a skincare routine. Skincare doesn't have to be hard if you have the right tools, which is where Caldera Lab comes in. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup, a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. Whether men can't find the right brand or simply lack knowledge and understanding of it, skincare is something that requires attention. But luckily, men's skin care has never been easier with Caldera Lab and the regimen. They even have this eye serum called the Icon that addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eye. Fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. I have used this product. I've also used their moisturizer and their face wash. And indeed, at night, I go to bed with the movie star Glow. And my wife is like, wow, are you in the movies? Because... You can't possibly be my husband, but I am. Caldera Lab is made with top-tier ingredients and is a great addition to your daily routine. It takes less than a minute in the morning and at night. So if you're ready to get a skincare routine, you can get 20% off with our code DISTRACTION at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using the code DISTRACTION. So jump into skincare and first impression royalty with Caldera Lab. This episode is also sponsored by Wild Grain. If you're craving fresh, delicious, easy meals, you should try Wild Grain, in my opinion, and get their bake-from-frozen sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisan pastries delivered right to your door. Now that I have a working oven, I'm going to do it myself. 
Wild Grain is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisan pastries. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, and all you have to do is pull it out of the freezer and pop it in your oven, which works as mine does, and less than half hour later, you have delicious bakery-quality food ready to eat. All you have to do is sign up at wildgrain.com slash distraction and choose which type of box you want to receive and how often. It's easy to reschedule, skip, or cancel. Plus, for every new member, Wild Grain donates six meals to the Greater Boston Food Bank, so you can eat good and do good all at the same time. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash distraction to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box, and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash distraction. That's wildgrain.com slash distraction, where you can use promo code distraction at checkout. We're back talking summer with David Roth. Uh, Roth, yes. our, our guest David Roth. Yeah. Roth. Thanks well, for having you, me. You were talking about ballgame food uh, a little bit earlier, so I wanted to ask you what your favorite ballgame food was, but also what your favorite fancy ballgame food is now, because, like, City Field has, like, fancy options. Like, you can get, I don't know, a fucking sushi burrito or some shit like that if you really want. Yeah, I, so I haven't really explored the studio space that much at City Field. Like, there is good stuff there. There's, like, you know, Shake Shack, too, which is, like, the sort of bougie version of normal ballpark shit. Yeah, uh, I almost don't want that. I almost want it to be shittier. Like, I don't either. want a Shake Shack hot dog. I want so something the two from... Think, right, and the Shake Shack hot dog is good. It's like a Chicago-style dog. It's like, there are not a lot of those to get in New York City, which is, you know, one of our, our failings as a, as a polis. But I think that, for me, it's like, it is that sausage and peppers, and then the other answer, the, the, the fancy one... They don't have at City Field anymore, but the place uh, Mamas of Corona, which is like, it's still there. It's in Corona, Queens, the sandwich place, had an outpost, two outposts in City Field. And they were just basically like large format, messy Italian sandwiches, which is, you know, you don't even have to be a longtime listener of the podcast to know that that is my shit. Like, I think it's kind of an important part of my brand. They had one that... They had like an Italian combo one that was good. And then they had one that I loved that was roasted turkey, marinated mushrooms, a gravy, and fresh mozzarella on bread. And I Ooh. I ate it every when I was covering the 2015 postseason, I ate it for dinner every night that I was there. So that was all through the NLCS and the World Series. Nice. Uh, yeah. But it, I mean like nice and then in some ways it's like just Showing up someplace, like, all the professionals are already there and have done their job. I'm breezing in, like, 20 minutes before first pitch. And then eating that sandwich, like, over my laptop, like a disgusting, you know, mutant or raccoon that had crawled in from a nearby chop shop. Uh, I miss that sandwich dearly. Mamas of Corona is no longer there. There's now another Italian sandwich place. It's also good. Um, but I think about that. Uh, turkey and mozzarella and mushroom uh, sa- sandwich a lot. I recreate it after Thanksgiving every year when there's leftover turkey. I will bring it back, get a bulb of fresh mozzarella, and get like mushrooms Ooh. from like you know the Italian market near me. It's not the same, but uh, like it at least does a little bit of the same thing. It's like a methadone for the actual the actual thing itself. You have to, and that's a fine line walking. Mean, you got turkey and fresh mozzarella. And gravy is that right? Yeah, I mean, like you're venturing into smoky tuna Caesar. You sort of are if you fuck it up, you know. Yes, yeah, but, and uh, I, that's why I think it's like best left to the pros. I don't try to do like that gravy because I'm sure that it's like anytime you're making stuff like that, where you're like, wow, what's in this sauce? I bet it tastes really good. The answer is like a volume of like butter or like MSG lard. or something that you don't want to put in at home. Like I'll just, I let somebody do that in a kitchen. I'm basically paying for not having to watch them make it so that I get <laughs> to enjoy the way that it tastes without knowing exactly how much whatever fat got bombed into it. I'm what is your for the sandwich. I'm paying it to leave. Uh, <laughs> what are, what are yours? So a hot dog it's, is very, very obvious. I like a hot dog. I don't like, I used to like ballpark peanuts, but I don't really like dealing with all the bullshit anymore. Plus, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like the world's like most irresponsible person just littering peanut shells all over the yeah 
like, all over it's the natural, but at the same time, yeah, anytime you're like standing you're like, oh, up, they'll pick that seat. shit right up. You know? Yeah, like, just garbage to, cascading off your lap, and you're like, not my problem. Like that is kind of <laughs> not who you want to be. Back when, uh, back when uh, DC United played in RFK Stadium, uh, I took my son uh, to a DC United game, and because it was RFK, because it was run down, because it was a United game, only like, I would say only like three or four concession stands were open. One of them was pupusas, which is nice. like very, very delicious. And so yep. I am- very DC. It's like a real yeah part of the foodway. I'm super drunk because I was back when I was drinking. So I was like, like I had like a bunch of Tecate tall boys that they sold and I was all fired up and I was like, woo. And I said to my son, I was like, are you stay here? He was like six. I was like, you stay here. I'm going to get a pupusa. And the line for the pupusas was like an hour long. I think I missed like, I missed a good half of the game, Jeez. but the pupusa was delicious and nice. well worth it. So I fully, fully endorse summertime pupusas at the ballpark. Roth, are you a pro beach person? Or are you are you not a pro beach person? Because you get beach takes now. I like beaches. I've realized that I'm more of a lake person than an ocean person, I think. Like in terms of mm. swimming and then also just in terms of the, the vibe, it's more for me. But I do like going to the beach. I'll be going with my family in a few weeks to the Jersey Shore. And it's it's good. I feel like I don't do as much splashing around or swimming in the ocean as I used to. Like at this point, like going to the beach is just like a place to be hot and read right like not look not look hot i think everybody knows that but just feel like, physically uh clammy and then like a place read. to go like squint at your phone to see if you can like make out what's on the screen but you can't yeah a little so bit of that right. i read um david grand's killers of the flower moon on the beach a couple of summers ago and i was like this is this is how you're supposed to do it like yeah, a yeah, book yeah. that it's like it's a very good book but it was the sort of thing where like i'm reading it like somehow physically faster than i can process the words like i just read it in like one day that uh is the type of beach experience that i like that's okay but, i think yeah that's- and you as it's different i think you know i go as like in as an uncle like my role there is to badger the kids, chase them around, bury them in the sand if they want me to do that. Like that sort of thing I like. It might be different as a dad though, because like as an uncle, like you're like a it's like the difference between being a relief pitcher and a starting pitcher. You know? <laughs> like I get called in to just like fucking throw gas and get three outs, but like I don't have to like put them in the bath, you know? Like that's a different sort of thing. Well, that's the thing. I don't have to do that anymore because my kids yeah. are all, can, my like, kids can all swim. They're people. Good. Yeah. Yeah, they're people. And in fact, it was bittersweet. I went to the beach uh, in Delaware a month ago with my wife and kids and we go and we set up all our shit and of all the parents at the beach, and it's all parents, we had, like, we definitely had the oldest kids. And so it was like, I'm glad my kids are old and I don't have to like deal with a lot of young parent bullshit anymore. But I was definitely like seeing like little kids were running around in little little suits with like you know a, a frog on the fanny and like, yeah and like playing with pails and like little plastic shovels and stuff. And I was like I was like shit I'm not not going back there. That's that's it for me on that. Like yeah that that's won't a real until I'm a grandparent. So Ooh. by the way, my daughter she just came back. She had her first. We let her go to the beach with her friends alone. Uh which I'm already, I can hear listeners being like, why did you do that? But anyway, her <laughs> friends are cool and we trust her to be responsible. And she was, and she said, she went to the beach. I said, what'd you do at the beach today? And she's like, you know what I did? She's like, dad, I dug a hole with my hands. And I was like, get the fuck out. Yeah. Chip off the old block. She made I a like big that, though. That's going to be a, a real like cats in the cradle and the silver spoons moment when my nephew and niece are no longer wanting to be like, like, so you don't want to build anything. Like, cause I got this pail. I'm happy to like fill this up with wet sand and then turn it upside down to make a thing. And we could pretend that it's another thing. And at some point they're going to be like, no, I prefer to be on my phone. And that'll yeah. be <laughs> sad. What is it? What is an uncle without a mandate? I went to the boardwalk amusement park and we got on this thing called the sea dragon, which is like a, you know, it's like a pirate ship. It goes up, it goes down, mm-hmm. it, you know, and then it keeps going higher and higher until you're like, oh my God. And we've been going there since my kids were babies. And every time I would go on there with my kids, I would say to my sons and my daughter, I'd be like, now this doesn't go too high, right? Like I do a whole routine. Yeah. And then it would start going higher and I'm like, whoa, hey, you didn't, 
You didn't tell me it was going to be this high. And it goes really high. I was like, oh my God, it's so high. Oh, I'm so scared. And I started doing that routine with my with my sons uh, this summer. And the, the 14-year-old was like, he's like, dad, don't, don't do that anymore. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. That's, that part's done. And it's not like, like you don't have like fucking string music playing in your head or anything like that. It's a lot more abrupt than that. It's just like, oh, okay. All right. We're not doing that anymore. I got to do it for- yeah fucking 17 years so like i, I did it enough also you man. got to do it like and this is to if i may take the listeners inside the game both eric and i were like not politely laughing we were like oh yeah that's a good bit like as you were doing the whole like no this isn't too scary a ride right like so it still works it's really the the fact that your children have heard it for 14 years that makes it bad it's not a bad bit it's a good bit yeah yeah i mean it was like it was an effective dad joke for a very very long time I mean, they, like when they were little oh my god they thought it was so funny they were like ah, ah, ah you're 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 scared you're gonna shit your pants ah, 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 and all yeah that i this is i mean whatever i'm happy that my wife and i have the life that we have and want to have kids and we didn't but dad jokes still like scroll through my head just because of the age that i am and stuff like that and not being able to there's like sort of a, a zone of permission that you have when you are like dad coded or like literally a dad where you can kind of just do whatever. Like the one that I only will do if I, if I know that the people will appreciate it is like when you see people wearing a baby around, like in a papoose, I love to say, who are you wearing? Like we're on a red carpet <laughs> event. And that is like, but I can't do that to like a neighbor in my bill. They don't fucking know me. I'm just another person that got in the elevator with them. So I have to <laughs> keep my powder dry. I'd like to give you permission to make those jokes. I, even if you're not a dad, you should be allowed as a citizen to make dad jokes. Even if you're not a dad, even if you're not a guy. <laughs> you're giving me the D pass. I appreciate yeah, that. Thank you, I man. Am. <laughs> I am. Time for our guy of the week. Every week we remember an athlete of you are not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but just a guy who makes you think, hey, I remember that guy, Roth, your guy of the week. We're going back to baseball. It's Eric Gagne. Loved Eric Gagne. The True steroid monster. Yeah. I mean, also one of those guys that was like ineffective, then one year showed up and looked like a fucking Rob Liefeld drawing and was super effective for a few years. And then his body broke because of all the steroids he put into it. Like it was like a real sort of cautionary tale. And yet the years when he was the Terminator were some of the coolest pitching years that I can remember. Yeah, the glasses and all that. I love a, I love a relief pitcher who has like the fucking tactical glasses. Yeah. And- Staring guys down, looking like he's about to do a lab experiment, you know, and all that shit. I remember watching him close out a game against the Mets, and it was as big a miss. I don't even think it was a bad Mets team. It was just like nobody could fucking hit that guy. And it was like struck out two guys, and then I think it was like Todd Zeal or like real like late stage Robin Ventura. It was like some guy that was like maybe you could talk yourself into getting you know, into the headspace that they could conceivably get a hit off him. Like, I didn't think it was going to happen, but it was like, it definitely was likelier than when like Desi Relaford was up there or whatever. Right. And I remember they hit like a comebacker, like decently hard, like line drive up the middle. And it just hit one of Gagne's enormous fucking thighs and dropped to the ground. And he was like, and in my memory, he was like, oh, ho, 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 like, you know, just like picked it up and threw to first. But as it was, it was like, that was as much as you could do. And you couldn't even physically get it past his fucking walk-in refrigerator sized body to the actual infield. Like it was as dominant as I remember a closer being. It's weird. I, I have an easy time processing now the downfall of athletes. Like I've lived long enough and seen enough athletes sort of come and go where I, I get their career arc and stuff like that, but yeah. I still have a hard time processing when a dominant reliever just turns into shit. Like, yeah. it, like I'm still like, wait a second, that guy was the most feared motherfucker. Like, and the problem is that it happens while I'm not watching. So like, I'll watch some guy like Eric Gagne just absolutely destroy people like in a postseason, And then three years later, like, like I'll be on Twitter and be like, Oh God, fuck Gagne's bag blew another fucking game. And I'm like, what? What happened? Like, did he did he have an accident of some sort? Yeah, like, did he get bit by a spider or something? Like, yeah, that. And it's hard because it's once you get that initial memory of a player as a certain type of performer, it's really hard to get that out of your head. I find that happens with um, in sort of like a weirdly negative way 
with like NFL quarterbacks that like I we talk about this every year with Andy Barons. I feel like I've done it a number of times. We're like, I need to fucking get it through my head that Josh Allen is good. But I remember like rookie year Josh Allen and I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And that happens with like, you know, pitchers all especially relief pitchers, because it's it's such a small sample and it's so volatile from one year to the next that like Edwin Diaz can throw the same stuff and give up 19 homers in a season like he did in 2021. And then last year be the best closer that anybody's ever seen throwing the same shit. It's just like you get lucky sometimes or the baseball's different or whatever. But yeah, if you make a strong enough first impression, it does sort of like stick forever, regardless of how many years you have. It's like late stage Boston Red Sox, Eric Gagne, where you're not even like one of the better relievers on the team. Well, if if it's any comfort to you, Josh Allen still enjoys turning the ball over. He a sure lot. do. He loves. Yeah, he is a big turnover fan. Boy, I'll tell you what. It's time to open up the fun bag. We have some audio questions. Before we do the audio questions, one email question from a reader because it goes back to uh, it goes it, it applies to what you were just talking about before we remembered a guy Roth. And this is from Audrey. Now Audrey writes him Roth. I can't overstate the stupid hold that this tweet has had on me since you posted it. Now, I'm going to read the tweet because the tweet actually lives in my brain, too. The tweet is, I've written some stories and worked on some other stuff, but I think what I'm proudest of since I quit my job is making my wife laugh by drowsily singing the words, clothing time, (laughs) to the tune of Semi-Sonic's Closing Time while she got dressed a couple of hours before my alarm went off. I think of this tweet whenever I am folding laundry now now what audrey said afterward is she said this tweet has told me since you posted it my husband and i also sing things to each other to the tune of the best was when he was doing dishes and i said here i come to check on my scones and he immediately <laughs> sang the phrase back to me to the tune of here i go again by white snake what are some of the greatest hits you sing to with your partners oh Ralph? wow uh this is an incredibly good question that would be very implicating if I were to, like, if I were prepared for it and I had answers off the top of my head. I will give, um, I'm going to give another, I'm going to give a friend's answer while I try to think of mine. Uh, my friend uh, TD and his wife have a dog named Ned. And when he takes it for a walk, he sings to the tune of the, uh, the Tim Robinson, Jason Sudeikis, John Tesh skit from Saturday Night Live. No, 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 Ned, the dog, gimme, gimme, gimme the dog, because I'm gonna walk it. We don't have that dog, and my wife and I sing it to each other. Like, that That's is great. A, an earworm of earworms, and I want to uh, thank him for introducing that to me. God, clothing time is a, is a good one. I can give you more time to think of one, because I do have one. Um, I also have one, but go well, ahead. Hear, yeah. yeah, my friend Julia likes to get the song "Santa Baby" stuck in my head as far away oh, from Christmas as blows. possible. No, it does. It a hundred percent does. I'm with you. But something about the tone, something about the melody of do 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 works for anything. Is like folding laundry. Look at how nice it's going in here. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's tough though because it's always it's a song that you don't like. Yeah, uh, that tends to get stuck in there. The one like I will do different versions of simply having a wonderful Christmas yes. time, depending oh. on what we're doing. I hate that song. It's always yeah, a Christmas yeah. song, and it is. But yeah, like even if it's just like simply having some Thai food with my wife, Kate, like something like that. Like if we're doing it, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Like, and I don't feel great about it, but at the same time, like it's still at the stage where I'm getting like a response. Like when I'm doing that and I'm getting nothing back, I'm getting like late stage, uh, Betty Draper face from her. Like, I'll know that that's that the shit, you know, the horse has left the barn, but at this point I can still get a like, ugh, <laughs> which is good. That's what I'm looking for. I have a couple of my wife, so most most of my antics on that front are with the dog, but with my wife, there's a strut song called "Hate uh, Hate How Much I Want You," and the beginning of it is a phone call between lead singer Luke Spiller and Joe Elliott, the lead singer for Def Leppard, and and it, the the call opens with uh, Joe Elliott calling Luke, and Luke is like, "What?" and and Joe and goes, "Joe Elliott's like, come on." He's or like, whatever. "Luke," he goes, "It's Joe." King of the Leopards, what are you doing? And so 
Anytime my wife and I are hanging out, like, and we want to know what the other one's up to, we go, "What are you doing?" It's King of the Leopards. But but and then and my dog Carter. I think I've said this before, but whenever I see Carter, just I see him, I usually greet him in song. So like, like one is to the tune of Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. So I go, dog, dog, dog. <laughs> or because I also call Carter Scooter, I go, I, I walk in, and I go, Scoot Doggy, dog, yeah. the dog. Because like that entire album is stuck in my head. All day long and has been for the past 30, 35 years. Yeah, that, it's quite an achievement. Also, singing to a dog is really solid because you know that like you're going to get the non-plus. Like, they don't know who you nope. are or what it you're looks, doing. Always so, looks confused and concerned. Yep. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Rolls right <laughs> off their back. The the Joe Elliott thing is great because that is another... And again, this is not singing, uh, but... Randomly putting on a really abrasive British accent, you and I share our passion for that. Yeah. I would say that it's like core to our values as yes, men. Yeah, it's important. And yeah, so at, hitting one of those periodically if we're watching something, just being like, you all, is like really very gratifying to me. It's also, it's a great song. I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, Eric, can we open up the audio fun bag and hear some voicemails from listeners? Absolutely. Hey gang, Zane calling. Drew might remember me as one of his moles when he blew the lid off to the VFX industry last year. And Dave knows me as the guy who's always gushing about his other podcast, where he reviews movies made for the gentlest of people. I'd like to remember a specific kind of guy, one with the most euphonic name. I'm old in Vancouver from Vancouver, so I have a guy you almost certainly don't know, and his name is also alliterative. Can you come up with a more euphonic guy than Tony Tanti? Ciao. <laughs> well, Merry, Merry Christmas, Zane. Tony Tanti was that Tony, was that the name? Yeah, that is solid. It's a, a made, um. If we're talking about hockey guys, I always loved Tony Twist as a name. That oh was a, a wow! Guy of my youth. Holy shit! I remember. And I remember, that. like, I didn't follow hockey that much, but I remember seeing someone wearing like it might have been like a Nordiques or like a Winnipeg Jets like Tony Twist jersey at the like the shitty hometown bar that you could go to after the other less shitty bar closed, like it stayed open an hour later. But seeing somebody at the Orange Lantern wearing a Tony Twist jersey was like, it wasn't, I wasn't going to be like, hey man, I love your top. But I really did love that guy's top and I really respected that uh, he was going out, like in his best going out outfit uh, with Tony Twist's name on his back. I think I can top it because uh, I remember Johnny Johnson of the Arizona Cardinals. So. Johnny Johnson is a classic. Uh, it does absolutely. every now and then you will get uh, one of those in in sports and uh, really just sings. Yeah, Johnny Johnson had a pretty. He had like a thousand yard season. Yeah, yeah, he was good. But it's, uh, you know, you always I'm watching him and he's good. But I'm like, does his parents like really not have enough imagination to go outside the John? genre to, to yeah, name gotta, him his first the, the genre yeah you yeah. got to stick with what works i guess is maybe the other that's the counter argument there it's like you've got johnson everybody agrees on that or at the very least you know it's already there so you build on on what you have you go to like like i don't know any dude's name like ben benjamin like get the fuck out of here like you yeah. just find it find a different name there are many it's not that hard like you don't have to go yeah. the full utah and go like you know Caden with like X, Riley McCarty, like, yeah, yeah it's like fifty Y's in it, but like you know yep. you can, you can you can mix it up a little bit. Let's get to the next one. Yeah, thank you, Zane, and Merry Christmas. Yes, thank you, Zane. I assume this is a nickname, but it, uh, my choice would be Coco Crisp. Just incredible. Coco Crisp rules. His real name uh, is Covelli. Oh, that's sick it's too. Still good. Okay, that's awesome. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. All right, let's do this second one. Hey, it's. Zach, uh, two things on this week's episode. One, when I first heard the name Dalton Varsho, I thought, fuck, did Gary Varsho name his son after Darren Dalton? Yes. And then I looked it up, <laughs> and he did. Two, the guy that I always confused um, uh, Jeff Reardon with was Steve Bedrosian. I don't know why. Just relievers with beards. All right. See you later. Relievers used to always have beards. I mean, that was like yeah. a law. You know? it, I feel like it, it might have been the sort of thing where, like, because Bruce Souter was so successful that it was, like, the, the same way that, uh, you know, the lady, the Theranos lady dressed like Steve Jobs. 
you know, that it was like, <laughs> if you wanted to, you thought that maybe it would help. Bedrosian was like peak 80s masculinity. I remember that guy. Random, weird Cy Young season out of nowhere in like what was otherwise a decently undistinguished career. But that was like what dudes wanted to look like in the 80s. Like it was like basically you could have in the like cigarette advertisement font, like Winston is lowest under any picture of him and it would be perfect. Like that is just like big beard, weird floppy black hair, squinting. Like it's how you, if you were doing it in 1987, that was how you wanted to be doing it. Uh, Let's do the last one. We got one more, Eric. Let's do that and then we'll fuck off. Hey, Adrian Roth. Um, I'm Defector member Sean Moscato, big fan of the show. Uh, Recently, I was on an online message board, and someone casually mentioned, uh, whom I don't know, someone casually mentioned that their ex-boyfriend had been a Navy psychiatrist working at Abu Ghraib in the early aughts. My question to you is, what is the worst possible profession of a former boyfriend or girlfriend that you would be willing to admit to in public, particularly to strangers? Thanks so much. That is fucking incredible. The idea of being like, well, I was, I went to school for torture and I graduated in 2003. So there was a lot of, you know, it was like kind of a tight job market until it was really wide open. Like that is amazing. But also like, if you, if you hate your ex, what do you, it's fine to be like, well, actually they were a prison guard uh, arrested for torture. and (laughs) We had a shitty relationship. Like no one's going to be like, oh my God. You date that person and are no longer with them and find them distasteful. Wow, I can't hang out with you anymore. Uh, it's still kind of like it's it's implicating. Like if it's like if it sort of like emerged that you had like I, like maybe you didn't live together, but you dated like Kristen Cinema for a year. Oh, I'd be like, well, that's, why would you what, do that? That's would you do that for? Person, that's a specifically yeah. odious person, right? I, this is where I can tell you, I my ex girlfriend. And it's not like I've been married 20 years. It's weird to say my ex-girlfriend because it's not anywhere recent. A day at like Somebody you knew more than half your life ago. Told me she went, she worked at Christie's and the auction house. And one day I was like, it was Valentine's Day. And like, I was like 21 or whatever. I was like, okay, I'll go surprise her with flowers on Valentine's Day. I go to the receptionist lobby. I say, hey, I'm here to see my girlfriend. Give her name. And they're like, we don't know anyone like that who works here. There's no one with that name. And I was like, Ooh. excuse me? So she had lied to me about where she worked. She had lied to me about where she went to college. She went to Dartmouth. She did not go to Dartmouth. And she justified all that because the night I met her, I was still in college. She wasn't. And I lied about being a college student. I said I worked in advertising. And I, like I said, I was like, well, actually, I, I conceived of the entire Delta campaign that's on TV right now. And she was really impressed. <laughs> but then, then she, took, she took that and ran with it. And the relationship did not uh, improve from, from there. So Can I ask really, what, she, what she actually did? Nothing. Did. Oh, wow. All right. That's great. <laughs> she did. She, I think she, she occasionally tempt in her ex-boyfriend's family's antique store on the Upper East Side. So... That is a fun, that's a fun little story. But like, I think I've told my wife that story and she, she laughed. She wasn't like, oh, I'm sorry, I have to divorce you now. You can't. It is also funny that you were such a, you know, like not even, I don't know, mensch is not the right word, but as a, like, like an alpha 22 year old where you were like, as a boyfriend, it is my job to surprise my girlfriend with flowers. Like, I feel like the version of me at that age, like, would have believed any lie indefinitely, and I would have never been able to disprove it because, like, oh, the you, internet barely existed under- yet. You have to understand, we have been going out for like a year before Amazing. I did this. Yeah, love this shit. So, that this, was a, what a wonderful was, story! I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. So, but my wife, uh, it, my wife is who she says she is. So that's a, that's really I'm grateful for that. Yeah. In fact, I I met her a few months after that relationship ended, and I was like, oh. Oh, there are, I can I can date a normal person. Oh, this I should probably marry this person, and then I did. Didn't she actually work in like art? My wife worked at Sotheby's and actually worked Sotheby's. there. Sotheby's. Like, All right, I was the like, first when time you were she, telling this. The first time she took me there, like I was like I was like God, I hope this job is real, and then it was, and then like, <laughs> and then she's like, here, can you help me move like a painting that costs like two hundred thousand dollars? I was like, am I the guy you really want to ask to do that? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be not You're like, well, I, I do believe that like now, because I'm watching you touch this painting, I do believe you work here. So I guess I'll do it. 
I uh, wish uh, I'm excited to go on summer vacation now. Eric Silver is our producer. Brandon Google is our editor. Our theme song is by Kirk Campbell. Ads and production services by Multitude. And subscribe to Defector.com. Right now. Defector and hit that subscribe button, baby. You can also email us at distraction at defector.com or even call us as this week's uh, voicemail leavers did at 909 726 3720 and leave a message. That's 909 Panera Zero. Who knows if there will be a roast beef and fruit roll up on that menu when you uh, when you call us. Roth, lovely to see you. You uh and I will get together next week with a guest of some sort. I sure, I don't know. I guess. All right. Bye, everybody. Yep. Bye.